Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Good evening. I hope you are having an awesome end to your Tuesday workday. Great start to your Tuesday evening. I'm Maniac here on the Crossing Swords pregame show brought to you by the place to buy a case, Outlet Liquor. You don't have to be a Buffalo sports fan. I know there's all kinds of act, awesome action across the NHL tonight. We have four series tied at 2-2, but we're looking to take a step back from that and break down the action from the season that just happened. So let's get our award-winning panel in here. We got in, we got Gatesy, we got intern Vinny, we got Dwayne O-Mania. And of course, joined by a special guest, a man who needs no introduction, so I will give him an outrageous one. A man who believes in, in oh no, what was the justice? I just blew it. Oh, I don't know. The the gavel justice, I don't know. No, you're on. A man who believes in justice, plain and simple. Joe, welcome to the show. Nice to be with you guys. It's been a, been a while in the making to uh, to to talk with you fellas. So this is this is fun. And it has been a while in the making to feel good about the Buffalo Sabers. And of course, that's what we're here to talk about. The end of this 21-22 season that honestly left a lot of the blue and gold fans feeling great. So let's get right to it. We got the 21-22 Sabers season. Dwayne, let's start with you. What will this season, you know, ultimately come September, come the end of next season, what will you look back on and remember the most? Uh, just the individual development of the core players that, you know, are going to be the future of this franchise going forward. Uh, you know, I think once uh, Alex Tuck got healthy and came into this lineup, joined by Peyton Krebs, just the energy they helped bring to this lineup and this group of young players, the, the emergence of Tage Thompson as a – I'm not going to go, you know, I'm going to wait till next year to see if he can repeat this, but a legitimate number one center in the NHL, something not, I mean, I wouldn't have, I would have, I, I, nobody would have thought that that switch to center would have led to 38 goals. Nobody, not a single Sabres fan on the planet. Um, just seeing Rasmus Dahlin kind of prove a lot of doubters wrong and kind of reemerge as maybe not reaching the, p- the potential we thought as a first overall pick, but you know, he's just scratching the surface surface in my opinion of what he, of the, of uh, the defenseman he is and what he's capable of being. And then uh, just again, guys like uh, Dylan cousins, just picking up kind of where he left off last year, just, just a young core group of players and their development over the course of the season and how much fun they've made this, the Sabres team to watch. Let's go around the corner, Gatesy, uh, intern Vinny, and then I want to pancake this a little bit by the time we get to Joe. Yeah, I think what Dwayne was saying, a lot of that energy stuff, we can kind of circle that back to March 2nd, that game against the Leaves. And that wasn't just an average game. That was the first Crossing Swords pregame show. 
And I think that's when the whole season began to change. Like from that point on, like the Sabres were above 500, <coughs> 16 wins in 29 games. And every game we watched from that point on, like I was excited for it. And I didn't want the season to end. And I think that's the first time, like the last 10 years, I can say like I was really excited to watch the last 10 games of a Sabre season. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think that's one of the things that I remember fondly, even in October, the past couple of years, what always ended up happening towards the end of the season was you just sort of want it to be over with. Yeah. As sort of a hockey fan, I felt obligated to watch the Sabres maybe, you know, the past six-ish years um, when I was sort of sentient enough to have that choice myself, not just watching whatever my dad was watching. But I think you end the year and think, ah, they're not going to reel me in in October. And this year they didn't in October was, this is, you know, one of the most prevalent years saying, I don't really care what happens. And as the year went, they sort of reeled us all back in, which is a good thing. And I certainly will remember, there's always that saying, you don't remember what you said, but you'll remember how they made you feel that I will certainly remember how the Sabres made me feel this year. Uh, I was very much enjoying watching them by the time March, April rolled around. When's the last time we could say that, Vinny? Again, I don't know that I could remember that. I think maybe just my youth, you know, being excited for hockey, you know, even when the Sabres weren't great from 2012 to 2000 and, you know, like I said, probably 2016 when I was probably at that point, like actually old enough to decide what I was watching on a day-to-day basis, Uh, maybe even a little before that. But, you know, since then, the answer was not really at all. Seriously, and it's an unbelievable feeling for Sabres fans. Joe. Talk to me about how different, again, obviously what you took away from this season, especially the second half, you know, being able to commemorate RJ the whole way. And I just would love you if you could contrast that. And again, it doesn't have to be player specific or anything, but with the last like half decade, honestly, heading into these Sabres off seasons. Well, it's, 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 it was ending the way it did was a different, diff, completely different feeling. You know, think of the last geez, seven, eight seasons where the, the year would end and you're just kind of like, right. Is that it? Like, is, you know, is that, is that how this is going to go? Or, you know, other seasons where at the break they're close to a playoff spot and you're thinking, well, if they can get off, get off to a good start coming out of the break, they got a chance to make a run here. Then the wheels fall off. Everybody hates each other. And then a coach's coach or a GM is getting fired. And that's that kind of thing. Wasn't like, that's not even a thought for anybody this year. You know, it, a handful of shows that I've that I've been on, they've asked like any big changes expected this year. I go, no. If there's any big changes, I'm going to scream for a year because this this team's finally in a in a position where they don't really have to sweat things too much. Next year will be a little different. The expectations will be different, but uh, but this year they took advantage of having zero expectations. They ran with it. Seriously, they did, and obviously that was they were kind of on a free roll this season um, as far as the management and obviously the leadership go. Um, you know, the thing that stood out to me is just Kyle Oposo, you know, the tenor at his end of year presser and just talking about how far this team has come and how important it was to win the fans back. That was another thing that uh, Don Grano was talking about constantly, especially in the beginning of his comments. I'm, uh, I'm wondering from your perspective, Joe, have they done that? And have they done that in a way where, you know, theoretically, if they start out two and five or two, you know, three and seven, will they be able to survive that? That's say next season hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's that, that's going to be a really interesting test for them because you know they've had they had their ups and downs this year. They, they you know they had a six game losing streak. I think at some point in March, uh, March or the beginning of April, I think it was, and it was just kind of like, well, yeah, what do you expect? It's the Sabers at the end of the year, but they shook that off. You know, they had, you know, I think they, I think that came before the Vegas game, and you know, after you know, after that whole thing, like they, they just kind of rallied after that. So, um, 
in the face of different adversity this year, they didn't let it really get to them. You know, they were able to bounce back from that next season. I want to see what the reaction is going to be. If, you know, if they do get off to a slow start, you know, when people are going to be thinking, yeah, maybe they can make a run at the playoffs next year. You're, you're thinking, well, I mean, it takes a hundred points to get in the postseason to, to go from what 75, I think they finished with to, to hundred is going to take a lot. Um, but like, but if they're in that conversation, getting into, you know, the end of February into March, that, hey, you know, maybe if they catch some fire here, they might be able to make a run at this. Uh, you know, starting out slow like that, that's the kind of thing that people look back on and say, like, geez, if, they, if only they didn't do this, things would be different. Like, that's, I think that's the conversation you want to avoid next season. We're going to get into our wish list for our blue and gold sabers uh, briefly here on the Crossing Swords uh, postseason show uh, brought to you by Alla Liquor. Uh, but, Joe, let's talk about Kevin and Donnie Meatballs. Uh, these are two guys, obviously, Donnie was able to come in at the end of last season and kind of show up what he could do. Kevin was a guy who was basically under fire for about six months straight, from the end of last year all the way through handling the Eichel situation and ultimately dealing him to Vegas. Where do you see, um, you know, I guess organizationally, I think they have all the confidence in the world in these gents. So I guess we're talking from a fan base perspective. Where do you see the fan base maybe on a scale of zero to 10 as far as confidence in this leadership regime? I, th- I think Adam's grade right now is is a little incomplete. I think everybody wants to see what happens with goaltending uh, going into next season because that's I mean that's that's the the absolute biggest thing they got to get addressed. You know, defense is is a you know is that, that's up there on the list, but I, I think to judge Adams right now is it's probably unfair to him, but it's also premature. Uh, when it comes to Granado, though, I, I, I the grades have to be pretty high uh, as far as what he's done. You know, everything he's done is basically. You know, looked at what Ralph Kruger did and did the exact opposite. Which, I mean, hey, I guess that I guess that's the way you you got to do things. But, um, but the way he was able to, you know, he, you know, he had the faith in Tage to put him at center and turn him into, you know, a, a nearly a forty goal scorer. Jeff Skinner bounces back into being a, you know, a thirty plus goal scorer. You know, a lot of people were, couldn't wait to to buy out Skinner after the last couple of seasons. You know, thinking like, hey, this this guy's toast. He's never going to do this again. You know, things like that. And yeah. I think for what Granado's done, it's it's really good. But again, I want to see how they handle you know some actual adversity next season. This year, you know, any adversity was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, who cares? Uh, next next season, it's going to be different. But right now, Donnie's Donnie's grades are pretty high. Uh, Adams, for what he's done already, pretty solid. But I I, I want to see I want to see how th- how that roster stacks up in September. Gotcha. Yeah, Adams can definitely vouch for I do have to say, because I've been saying it since the beginning, Kevin with a Y, that's my guy. I've always been on the bad wagon. Let's go Vinny, Gatesy, and then Dwayne. Where are you at 0-10 to 10 on the Kevin, Kevin, Donnie Meatballs regime? Uh, together, I'm going to combine both of them into one score. I'm going to give them a Tage Thompson, a 7.2. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in, in Donnie Granado. I've seen a lot of great things this year, and I like what the way the Sabres are playing. It's the first coach in a while that I look at some of the – there are certain things in coaching that you can see tangibly on the ice as just a spectator to say that's the way – that's their coaching. Not even just in performance, but like if you look at the defense this year, when they come in and it's like a one-on-two, the far side defenseman comes across in the neutral zone to take the angle, and then the near side defenseman sort of breaks to the middle. That's an interesting way of playing defense, and I kind of like it. You saw with Ralph Kruger a couple of things that you are like, this team is very, very limited on offense, and he is just not helping. So I really, really like Donnie Meatballs. I think he's done a lot of good things. I would probably give him alone and Alex Tuck 8.9. 
But I think sort of with Kevin, I am concerned about the goaltending scenario. It's not his fault Levi and Portillo are staying in college, but I am concerned about it come next year. UPL looks like he might have some injury concerns, and I think you know the free agent market might be a little bit weak. So I probably would put him more in like the 6.5 range, and I think I'm going to combine them together, give him a Tage Thompson 7.2. I like that. I mean, um, I was pretty confident on the two of them from our last talk when I put my hair on the line that they'd both be – I know on the job in November, but um, I'm insanely, I'm just comfortable. Like I feel like the past 10 years, who's ever at the helm for both GM and head coach, it's like, they're always on the hot seat. Every move they make, it's like, Oh, it's going to work out. And it never really does. And I feel like I have the, the Brandon Bean, like Sean McDermott mindset, but these two, it's like, I trust the decisions they make the Eichel move. People weren't happy with that at first. And it quickly turned out to be into the Sabres favor. And I, I fully trust that these two can like get this this team on the right track and, and get them in the right direction. Yeah, I would I would probably go right around the seven and eight uh, score range uh, for me. I think the biggest difference for me on the ice is it was the, the times you would see this team not ready to play at puck drop. Those times were few and far in between. Not like last year where like right from right from the get like you were wondering like. Is this team ever is this team ever going to show up to play a full 60 minute hockey game? It wasn't that wasn't the case this year. I mean, again, there were times in the beginning of the season where, you know, there was a lot left to be desired. But like for the most part this season, you know, once they were healthy, Alex Tuck and Krebs were put into this lineup. Um, you know, you were never angry at how they would have just played terrible 20 to 40 minute uh, period uh, spans. And then the third period. Uh, you know, they would they would get a little desperate and they would try and get back in the game. It wasn't like that this season. I think that goes to coaching, man. Uh, as a coach, you know, for quite some time myself, like I've, you know, <clears throat> these guys they're professionals. They're they're professional hockey players. They've done everything right to get to this point. So as a coach, in my opinion, you're professional motivators. These guys know how to play hockey. Like that's how they got here. This is the, the greatest hockey league on the planet. They know what they're doing. So your job out there is to motivate them to be the best version of themselves as hockey players. And I think Don Granado has done that. And um, his ability his ability to, um, you know, get the best out of each individual player, like, you know, um, each of their skill sets, like with Tage Thompson and his size. Like last year under Ralph Kruger, he played like he was the size of Nathan Gerby half the time. Like he just didn't realize how big he was and how – how he could use his size to his advantage to protect that puck and just the, the power of his shot. We've all heard the story about how Don Granado, um, you know, told Tage Thompson, you know, in the accident, you know, in the, in, in the press conference, like the time to score is now, like, you know, start shooting the puck. He told that, hit, that, that, that was like the message he had for Tage going into the season, start shooting, you know, that goes in the part, motivate these players. They know that they, they got here because they're, the greatest athletes on the planet when it comes to this sport. So your, your job as a coach is to motivate them to get them to that next level on the ice. And that's, that's what I love about John Granado, man. It's just night and day difference between Ralph Kruger, where, you know, he was trying to be too much of an X's O's defensive scheme coach where Don Granado, he re realizes the skill sets of these players. He goes out, he just goes out there and lets them play hockey. One of the, th one of the big, uh, one of the, uh, moments I point to uh, with Owen power was after that play uh, in the Columbus game with um, Tarasenko, 
where he uh, he got beat at, at, at the blue line by Tarasenko, ended up, uh, ended up in the back of our net. Uh, the very next shift, it was a four-on-four. Four. Owen Power is driving to the net and on an offensive draw. Like normally a rookie defenseman, like you would see some tendency there, some hesitation. You don't want to screw up again. Not Owen Power. And then you find out after the game, Owen, you know, Don just said, I want you to go out there and play your game. Don't worry about making mistakes. Just go out there and play hockey and have fun. That, for me, with Don Granado, that's the biggest change from last year is just allowing these guys to go out there and play hockey. Like, they know what they're doing. Just motivate them to be the best version of themselves. And Kevin Adams, as, you, as what Joe, Joe said, like, you got to get this, this goalie situation figured out. I'm not sold on UPL. I, I've been pretty outspoken about that. UPL has had some major hip issues. As a goalie, our hips are integral, you know, and he's already- You just got to feel for UPL, though, yeah. that he, like, got bulldozed a couple weeks ago. And well, that- I, I know, and I know, and I know, but the only topic says is this guy's injury prone. I, it goes back to all that. It's just like, if he didn't get bulldozed, would we be talking about him being injury prone right now? Is that a fair question? That I think that's fair. Yeah, like, well, so, so all I'm saying is, is got- I get it, but, but let's, like, let's talk about UPL being injury prone, like, late summer when he's having oh, issues then. Like, not injured. right now when he just got bulldozed. Yeah, he, got injured this, he got injured this season while playing with Buffalo, and he got injured at the end of last season. And, and what was injured. he doing? If he if he does this next season, what he did for Buffalo this past season, I think we would be going nuts. Joe? If, that's a big if. It is a big if. Uh, but, like, if, if he posts a 9.15 save percentage for the whole season – Listen, everybody loved Craig Anderson for a lot of good reasons. He was still sub 900. You know, that's that that that's that's a huge change. That's so many goals saved above above average. Where that, that changes so many games. Think of the one goal games that they lose or they drop or they you know maybe lose a point overtime. Uh, that's a huge difference. That's a huge. If you get any goalie to put up that kind of that kind of number, given the offense that we've seen this year all across the league, man, that's really good. I, I, I 100% agree. For, but for me, it's just yeah, you start by showing you can play an entire season. Now, I know in today's NHL, it's not like back in the late 90s, early 2000s, where goalies were expected to play 60 games. It's not like that anymore. But you need to be able to show you can at least play 40 to 50 games in the NHL and stay healthy. And that's where I get worried, man. Like, he had, he had done I, I would never debate. I would never debate the Sabres need goalie. We have been playing for the last decade. Since we got rid of Ryan Miller, which was obviously not the right decision when we did it, seeing as we wanted him back like six, seven years later. With that said, how many goalies in the league right now are like NHL teams feeling astounding about going into next year? Like 15 or 20, maybe? Well, that might be like so. I'm number. just saying, just being realistic about the expectation. You're saying he's got to prove, you know, that they can play a whole year. Like, how many guys are there out there that you know can go and guarantee you 65, 60 games? I don't really want 60, 65 games out of him. I just think you're in a you're in a you're in a league right now. Unless you're looking at a guys like Igor Shesterskin or Vasilevsky, where a lot of teams have gone to goalie by committee, and I'm I'm completely agreed, fine agreed. with that. I'm completely fine with that. If UPL is the guy next year, you need to bring in a guy to go along with him that is capable of being that 1A if called upon because, A, the injury history with UPL, and, B, he has struggled with consistency over his career. He just has. I'll, I'll give him a break for for what, for what some of the numbers he's put up in Rochester well, this year Rochester because their defense has been terrible. bad. It's Rochester very bad defense. Terrible, yes. Very fair. Very fair. Hey, and then just moving on. So this is a great transition. Dwayne, start us off. What do you got for your Buffalo Sabres offseason wishes? I know it's goalie. 
So tell me, like, where we're specifically going or what's the move to be made where the Sabres can just Because, I mean, I'm assuming you're not rolling into next year with Craig Anderson and UPL. No, I mean, I mean, I know they said they give Craig Anderson some time with his family to, uh, before he makes a decision on what he's going to do. For me, um, obviously, goaltenders that stick out. Real uh, quick, just because you mentioned that, Dwayne. Joe, Craig did not sound like he was coming back next year to me. No. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, listen, he's 41. You know, he's closer to age to me than than you guys. Like, that's I, I get if he wants to hang it up. Like, I mean, you know, listen, from his family too. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I love that he said he was going to drop the kids off at school and see how long it took him to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what Tom Brady did, right? Like, that what kind of how long did he last? Like a week and a half, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, I don't think Craig Anderson's getting a thirty-seven million dollar a year no. deal though with him. Craig, <laughs> TNT know, be throwing that money right now. Craig Anderson's <laughs> wife did say that she that he joked with her uh, when Tom Brady came back out of retirement. He said he sent her the uh, he sent her the tweet, uh, letting her uh, the, the actual tweet from Tom Brady where he announced he was coming back that he couldn't stay away. Yeah, uh, as a joke, uh, you know, not that it was foreshadowing anything, but I thought that was kind of funny. But I mean, there there are going to be some names that are available out there. I think Jonas Corp- uh, Corpusalo has a guy that's always been out there on the trade market. Um, I'm not sure if he's a UFA next year, but uh, he also a guy that's dealt with some injuries. But he's a proven starter in the league. I, I think he'd be a good for a goal a, a goalie by committee situation. Um, everyone loves to talk about Flower, and one of the things that sticks out with me about Flurry is. You know, wherever he is next year, he's not going to want to be a backup. He's going to want to be a, he's going to want the net. And Buffalo does give him a very good opportunity to have the net. Um, I, I, I'm hard pressed to, unless, you know, UPL is playing out of his mind, that UPL would be the, the, the given starter over a guy like Marc Andre Fleury. Um, and there, there, there are a few other names out there too, but those two are, stick out to me a little bit. I, I've always liked Corpus Allo as a bridge to whoever it might be, whether it's Devin Levi, Eric Portillo, or Ukopeka Lukanen, whoever it is, uh, just just two names that kind of stick out to me a little bit. Billy Huso, depending on what happens with this whole Bennington thing, um, I know Bennington played a good game the other night. I'm assuming they're going to ride with him again. Um, Billy Huso, if he is available and if St. Louis is stupid enough to not sign him and stick with Bennington, I'd be all over that. Yeah, I mean, adding on to that, like Georgiev out of the Rangers, he's an yep. RFA this summer. Would, wouldn't mind seeing that. There's a lot of goalies that kind of need to prove something this offseason. Sabres would be a good place for that. And besides goaltending, I would love some sort of secondary scoring because outside, like, that first line and, like, Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, like, the scoring was hit or miss. You'd have Ocposo, like, on the second power play unit. And other than that, it's like Olofsson went two years without scoring a goal this year, it seemed like, and he was very hit or miss. So I think some sort of a reassurance on either that bottom six or the second line that can really elevate the scoring would be huge, especially when you have like Quinn and Paterka coming up, like just something to really, you don't have to rely on those young guys so much. I think it goes without saying that a lot of people's wish list is involves goaltender. If it's not at the yeah. top, it should be in the top three. Um, and if it's not, I don't know what brand of hockey you were watching, but it certainly should, sh- certainly should be very important. Uh, my li- wish list for this offseason is a little bit unique. I want the Amherst to win some more playoff games. I think that would be a very, very nice boost. We talk about this a lot, sort of the Amherst in, in organizations. You want your farm team to create a winning culture that's successful while you have young developing players so that they move up into your professional team with that winning mindset and that transfers into success at the NHL level. We always talked about how good the Amherst were 
and then they'd go into the playoffs and they'd get swept. I mean, it happened like three years in a row, it felt like. It was at least two. This is the first year they finally won a playoff series is 2014. So all those years, the and the Sabres were bad and the Amerks could not perform in the playoffs. This is the first year they've won a playoff series. They start another series this weekend. I think it would be very, very big if we could get those young developing players like Krebs and I guess Fitzgerald as well. Samuelson's, of course, injured, but that's beside the point. Get them some wins in the playoffs, and then that can translate hopefully next year when it starts in October. I, I, you know, I'm going to stay away from the goalie thing just because we we've talked about that to death. Uh, the 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 defense part, I think that's something where you 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 add somebody through a trade. I don't think I don't think the free agent wire is really where you're going to be looking for somebody to play alongside with power. You don't really need to go out and find a big fish to play with power. Power is a big fish already. Yeah. You know, I, I think they're pretty. You're looking at a top four of probably Darlene and Samuelson together because they play they played dynamite Very at the end well. of the year, and then power with find a guy you know if it's yoki haru okay fine but uh but i don't think yoki's necessarily the guy you want he can do it but i don't know that he's the guy that is going to help you take that step forward uh at least on the defensive side of things he's on your third pair man that's great that's super uh i forward wise at a 4c i think uh you know he can you know we love the Eakin vibes but i don't think he, he's not he's not the guy i wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back honestly that wouldn't shock me at all um, but I, I think you can find somebody that can do a lot of what they want him to do a little bit better. I mean, I wouldn't mind a Johan Larson reunion. I don't know that. I don't know that Larry would want to do that, but uh, that that's a, like, that's the kind of guy you want to have in that kind of role. Uh, and that's, that, that's kind of where I'm thinking uh, you got to look around. I, before we think, before we saw Victor Olofsson's wrist was okay. I was thinking maybe you got to make a run at a guy like a Nino, Nino, Nino rider, but I don't think you got to do that. Now you got Quinn coming. You got Paterka is probably going to be up there at some time next season. You don't really have to go crazy on, on forwards. Do you, I, I mean, uh, just to piggyback off that, I was actually going to ask you if you're confident in Yoki, how are you in your top four? Because honestly, again, he kind of a up and down, he had a lot of ebbs and flows last season. Mm-hmm. I'm personally not sold on him. I think, uh, um, I think he's sometimes he's his own worst enemy. He kind of makes, you know, you, you know, you know, in coaching, you always say kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. We say about wrist alignment all the time. There were a lot of times this season where I said that about Yoki, how are you, where he, you know, he just, instead of taking like, you know, for example, the easy up the boards, high up the boards play, he tried to skate it, skate it up through the middle. And you see it with wrist alignment sometimes it, just dri- it drives me nuts. It's like, you know, you're, you know, know, yeah. know, know your, know your lane, man. You're not, you're not that type of a defenseman in my opinion. Yeah. And you know what? Yoki Haru doesn't need to do that. If he's, if he's playing with Darlene or if he's playing with, with power, he doesn't need to yeah. be the guy that carries it up. Either both of those guys can handle it much better. They're, that's what they're meant to do. Like that's their job. Uh, I, I mean, if he ends up being in your, if he ends up being the guy who plays with power, yeah, I, it, it's fine. But you need you need to have a little bit better depth there on the defense. Yeah. You need to have you need to fill out that top that that top six with them. And are you sold on the two C position? Is it gonna be Casey? Is it be is it be Krabs? Like, you know, I know I know they've kind of them two have kind of gone back and forth playing the wing. Um, we had on uh, uh, two goalies on Mike Brad Gibson who uh, coached all Cousins and Krabs um, together, and they uh, he says he 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 believes just you know, just from coaching him and watching this past season, he, 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 he likes Krebs on the wing. He thinks w- with cousins at center. Um, I'm, I'm more comfortable with Dylan in a third center role, just because I feel like he really plays that type of style. Reminds me a lot of a, a little bit of Michael Pekka with the way he mm-hmm. plays physically. 
Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm 100% sold on my second line center's position right now. Yeah, I, I think Casey, they, I think they want Casey to, to have that spot. I mean, he yeah. just, he it's was a snake. Yeah, it, he was snake bit all year. And, you know, that, that can't be helped. I mean, he was, you know, he had some kind of weird injury to start the year. We don't even really know what it was. And then, you know, it just, it's, it kind of got to him the whole season long. So, but he was, he was one of the best players in camp. When he was playing, he was pretty darn good. So uh, I think you want to give him a year. He was playing with so much confidence. I mean, maybe yeah. that goal against the Islanders, just walk in, snipe far side. Yeah. It's amazing what confidence can do because I, his shot, his shot was always good. The same with Tage. Like, but like, if you don't have confidence in what you're doing, you're, you're going to, you're going to be hurting a little bit. Even Olson, you know, even once he got back from the injury, those first couple of weeks after that, he was really struggling. I would say I, that I would say that's the biggest change from last year is just the ability to have swagger and confidence in your in yourselves. That was so prevalent throughout the season. These players that you know didn't seem to have much confidence or ability. Like I said, Tage played like he was the size of Gerby at the time last year, and now he looks like a, a six foot six foot seven, you know, powerhouse out there. You know, can't take the puck off his stick, and when he leans into that shot and puts his weight weight into his stick. Forget about it, man. Top five release in the NHL, hands down. No question about it. Swagger all season. Yeah, they were feeling this <laughs> on the second half. By the way, absolutely villainous move by Joe Yurdon to steal from my offseason wish list. <laughs> As Kevin Adams pulls the biggest approval rating move in Sabres Twitter history when he releases Cody Eakin and re-signs Johan Larson <laughs> to the parade he gets going to Key Bank Center as everyone goes. And the only other thing on my off-season wish list, besides the league, I know we've talked about it a thousand times, we got to take down those sponsor banners. I'm sorry, Sabres. I, I appreciate yeah. getting after the bag. But we saw how important the banners were this year and what they mean to the fan base and what they mean – to this, um, you know, organization, and you just can't have those there, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, hey, speaking of which, I know we have the NHL lottery going on right now. A lot of people want to tune away. Let's go for just a couple more minutes here on the Crossing Swords season wrap up, and we have some secret trivia. I did not write this on the rundown, so let's see if our crew here can get it together. This is a very easy one, but it's not that easy if you think about it. <laughs> Three Sabers played eighty plus games this year. Who were they? Just shout him out. Ooh. Just shout him out. Let's go. Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner. Asplund. <laughs> Asplund. Did Ocposo? Ocposo did not. Oh, he did not. Tage Thompson. Thompson had 78. Ooh. Dalene had 79, right? Cousins. Dalene had 80. Cousins mm. had 79. So there you go. I can't believe you got Asplund so easy. That was my trick one. I thought we would have yeah. got at least like <laughs> six to nine down the list there, but. Read the right, season grades. Number Skinner, one on there. Darlene and Asplund. By the way, uh, I mean, I, I know we're I know we're running low on time here. Can we pull this up. <laughs> we got we got we got Vinny explaining how a Rochester playoff run <laughs> equals Sabres wins. <laughs> okay, but hey, speaking of memories, speaking of wins, uh, let's fire it up. Let's start off with what do we got, Dwayne, with your uh, Sabres season memory here. Uh, definitely. I mean, I'm not going to pick the obvious one that I'm sure we'd all pick if, you know, we, you know, we wanted to is, but I'll pick the Jack, uh, Jack giving the puck up to tuck on the blue line and tuck possibly scoring one of the greatest empty net goals I've ever seen. Um, just absolutely from just, just, yeah, just the t- uh, below the face off dot unbelievable angle. And that place went 
insane. The walls were shaking. Um, you know, just a great moment. And I think to follow that up two days later at the Heritage Classic to beat the Maple Leafs, you know, I don't think you I don't think you go into the Heritage Classic in Hamilton and win the game the way you did if you don't win and beat the Vegas Golden Knights the way you did. I was I was gonna say we might have had a slippery slope alert as you were going into a second moment there. Well, we had one saying, more last on the season. One translated into the one, other. One, that's true. That's true. Okay, so Gatesy, what do you got for your moment of the season? I think the one that just got me the most excited. I was in my car driving to Pittsburgh, listening to the last game of the season, RJ's last call, and when Casey Middlestad scored that goal, I had to pull over and I just just took it all in for like the 15 minutes of RJ's last thing and watched it on my phone. It was literally i think one of my favorite moments as a sabers fan there haven't been a lot of highs since i since i've been here but th- this is by far and away number one for me and last but not least on our panel here intern Vinny, what do you got you're you got the layup here yeah i did take the layup and i haven't i've tried to avoid those all year i am just a measly intern but my intern status ends very soon and i'm just gonna be regular Vinny, but uh, RJ is no regular RJ. He is a legend for sure. And I think they are, um, this is maybe the best moment all season. And I think everybody would agree. I think this, it was in the building for this sold out, which I, I certainly was hoped would happen. And it did happen. This was electric. And I don't think there was many dry eyes in the building after this. This was such a great experience to be a part of. And I think this really was a great way to honor probably the, the best person that ever existed within the Sabres organization. Couldn't have said it better myself. Joe, any closing thoughts on your uh, Crossing Swords appearance here? What was it, three to four years ago last time you were on the show? Oh, my God. It's been a, it's been a while, man. It's it, I Listen, that's long enough ago that I don't remember stuff that happened. Unless it was unless it had to do with the Sabres, then it's burned into my memory. Uh, but, like, but no, this was, this was fun, guys. This is a, this is a good time. I, I do love the slippery slope alert, though. That's, 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 that's <laughs> oh, that's one. definitely become a staple of the show. <laughs> and we always like to keep out because we got to keep our guests safe. Huge shout out to Joe Yerdon for joining us. Make sure you're following him at Joe, Y-E-R-D-O-N. Make sure you're following our whole panel, panel the Cristiano 3, Gatesy uh, 39, sorry, Gatesy uh, 35. <laughs> <Gatesy> 35. <laughs> My brain is askew. Let's hope that the Sabres are askew and get this 5% hit at Dwayne S39 because here at Crossing Swords, it's all about just three simple words. Let's go, Buffalo! Let's go, Buffalo.